What's happening, Grace Bible? Hey, uh, welcome back to the church building. Welcome home. Uh, it's so good to see you guys here. This is, feels a little weird, to be honest with you. I've been staring at a camera for the last 11 weeks, and I'm so glad that y'all are here. Those of you that took the effort to come out this morning, to folks that are watching from home, I know we got quite a few on Facebook and YouTube and the website. Uh, welcome to worship. We're so glad that you're a part of this conversation with us this morning. If you got your Bible and you're going to follow along with me, start flipping over to Revelation chapter 21. Chapter 21. Um, just a couple of things I want to, first of all, I wanted to celebrate. That video that you saw right there is kind of just a glimpse of the behind the scenes of what the last couple of months has looked like um, on the other side of your TV screen. And it has been very challenging and a lot of work and even at times chaotic. And so I just wanted to say thank you to Pat and the production team for making that possible for us over the last 11 months. The worship team traveling around all over the county shooting these worship experiences and sermons. And it's been a lot of work because once it gets shot, then they got to go back into post-production and edit all the stuff. It's days and days of preparation just for us to see that, that one-hour clip online. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that. And I'm, thank, man, I'm thankful to, to be back here uh, for sure. Um, yeah, and I'm a little nervous because um, I'm not used to preaching in front of people anymore. Uh, I got real comfortable with the camera, though I didn't like it. Uh, but being back in front of folks is awesome. It's good to see your face. Uh, just, just a couple of housekeeping things that you might be interested in knowing, and for those of you at home as well, you might be interested in knowing this, is, um, is as we are kind of getting back into some semblance of normal, just know like what you're experiencing this weekend in here. This, this is not the new normal. Uh, this is just kind of step one as we start to move back towards full reopening, going back to our normal service times. But in the meantime, just know that I, in, in our church family, there are all kinds of walks of life. And so some people may feel uh, comfortable being in a packed room full of people. Some people may feel like we should all be wearing masks and don't, don't touch anybody. And like what I want to say to the body as a whole is, I mean, Scripture's clear as a body of believers that we need to lay down our rights uh, for our other brothers. And so during this time, like, yes, church is a little short. It's, 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 it's kind of awkward coming in and out of here, but like this is going to be a really good thing. This is what we're going to, we're going to look back on this in, in several years and see the growth that we experienced through this. But in the meantime, just be patient and love one another and encourage one another and continue to point one another to the cross and to the gospel and the good news while we're kind of in this this, this in-between time of reopening. Believe it or not, like the, the, the church historically has never reopened. And I don't mean this one. I mean the whole big church. Like, so, yeah, we don't know what we're doing. Uh, we, there aren't any books out on this yet. And so we're just, we're just trying this out one step at a time. And we look forward to, uh, honestly, I wanted to come back this weekend instead of having a 30-minute church service. I wanted to have a three-hour one, you know, so we could just throw down in here, you know, and have like, get, get down and have church. But we're keeping it shorter because we know we'll have kids in here for a while because we're not going to do children's ministry for a little bit. Um, and also for the fact that, you know, we don't know what to expect when it comes to attendance live and in person during this time. But we want to leave plenty of time and plenty of room for us to keep our facility as clean as possible. For example, while you're in here right now, we have a team of people cleaning all the bathrooms, wiping down all the doorknobs, et cetera, et cetera. And as soon as before you got in here in between this service and the last one, we had a team of folks, we had these foggers, and they went around and like have a disinfectant fog on every chair. So it's almost like the chair got shampooed before you even sat in it. We're just trying to make every effort 
uh, to make it possible to gather back together again. And so I'm, I'm glad that you guys came for week one, and I hope that some of you guys will venture out in the coming weeks as, as well. Uh, hopefully you're in Revelation chapter 21 by now. And as I mentioned before, these, our conversations will be a little bit shorter than usual. If you're brand new to Grace Bible, or maybe you just got connected through the season of being online, um, know that uh, what, we are, what it's going to look like over the next month or so is not what it typically looks like. This is just kind of a, this is a phase uh, that we're having to, to go through in order to fully reopen and get back in our regular rhythms. But while I'm on that topic, I did want to say, I mentioned this in one of the online devotionals I did a few weeks ago. Like, while I can't wait to get back to some sort of like rhythmic normal when it comes to us gathering, one thing I do want to say is like the global church cannot afford to go back to normal. You hear what I'm saying? The global church cannot afford to go back to normal. Hiding in our four walls, getting on our holy huddles, being about what we're about. Instead of being what the Lord's about, while the world around us is wasting away and is desperate for the hope of Jesus to get brought into our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our conversations. Like, that's what the church needs to return to. I'm hoping and praying that through all of this wildness that has happened over the last couple months, that it is the Holy Spirit sparking something in his people, that the world might experience the power of God through his people the way God designed it to be. That's what's supposed to come out of this. Not just opening the doors and coming back and sitting in our regular seat again. And you pray about that, what that looks like in your life. Because I can assure you, this was, not for waste. this was not a wasted season. God had something to say to his church. And God is wanting to reorganize his church around the mission of the gospel. Not just in these institutional gatherings, I can assure you. As a matter of fact, when Jesus talked about the church, you guys hear me say this pretty often... When Jesus says, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell would not stand against it, he didn't use the German word kirch where we got our word church, which means a building. He actually used a Greek word ekklesia, which means a movement. had nothing to do with four walls. It had to do with a group of people gathered around a common purpose and a common mission, on mission together so that the world would know whatever their purpose was. And in our case, it's the gospel. That's what Jesus died for, the ecclesia church, which is, by the way, this isn't the church. You are the church. You are the ecclesia. You are what Jesus has declared as the vehicle that he wants to take the good news, the hope that we have in Jesus to the world. And let's be honest, like most of the world is not going to walk through these doors and give me a chance to talk to them. But in your regular rhythms of life, you come in contact with the, you got the world in your family, you got the world in your friendships, you got the world in your neighborhoods and in your workplaces. And maybe, just maybe, Jesus wanted to remind us that the church is not about the building, so he pulled the rug out from under it just to prove that his church exists whether these doors are open or not. That's what this is all about. There, there, there have been great opportunities throughout history for the church to be what it was supposed to be. And there certainly haven't been any greater than the one we're in right now. I can't turn on my news or see my social media streams without just being inundated by the chaos that's in the world right now. And I don't mean like in the world out there. I mean it's washed up onto our shore right here. And our church family and our community and I'm tired. You know, I continue to grieve what's going on. 
You know, I hurt for the people that I love. I feel the weight of the ongoing chaos and people reaching out for hope in places that they'll never find it. I feel the tension of hate that you could just cut it with a knife. I'm tired of it. And like God has called us as his people to be about something else. A bold declaration of the love of Christ. Matter of fact, Jesus said himself, they will know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. The world needs to see that now more than ever. Whether it be because of the disease that we've been tangling with as a country or whether it be because of the racial tension we've been tangling with as a country, I tell you what one thing should be rock steady throughout the whole thing. Is the people of God continuing to love one another as Jesus loved us. No matter what race you are, what socioeconomic status you have, like we were meant to be about something else because Jesus wanted the world to see that he truly is the hope of the world and that his people, there would be something different about them. And so today, like instead of really diving into what is right in front of our face, what you're seeing constantly, what you're talking about constantly, I actually wanted to point us beyond that this morning. Not because we're trying to get past it, as I mentioned in the interview we had on stage. The goal is not to get past this. The goal is to never come back to this place in history again. But I think for the people of God, something that, that God has used as a mechanism to continue to inspire hope, to continue to inspire courage in his people, is he's constantly pointing us beyond what we see right in front of our face. You know, I saw uh, Dr. Randy Smith, he made a comment on Facebook this past week. He said, for the believer, peace is not being able to see the storm, it's being able to see beyond the storm. And so I actually wanted to take us to a place in the scripture. I cheated and read the end of the book so that you could see where our hope really lies. The good news that we really have, no matter what kind of chaos or suffering or whatever it is that you're struggling through in this season of your life, like... This is good news right here, and this is what we have to hope for, and this is what we wait for as the people of God. And Revelation chapter 21 says it like this. This was written by the apostle John, and he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea, say sea, and the sea was no more. Some of you have heard me explain this before. Um, by the way, he's not saying for you boys that love the saltwater fish that if you are in Christ Jesus that one day there won't be any more saltwater fish. And I don't know if there will be saltwater fishing in the new heaven or new earth or not. I bet you there will be water and Jesus seemed to like to fish. So maybe there will be some fishing up there. That's not what he's talking about right here. But he says in the new heaven and new earth the sea will be no more. And remember John was a Hebrew boy. And in the ancient Hebrew mindset, when they would refer to the sea, what they meant was chaos. Anything to the west of them in the Middle East meant chaos. And he was saying in this new heaven and new earth, chaos will be no more. Doesn't that sound good? And we need to be reminded of that. Yeah, chaos was meant for this earthly dwelling, this temporary place. But in the new heaven and new earth, chaos will be no more, praise God. Not only will chaos be no more, but he, this is how he described it. This is how he described kind of the how the new heaven, new earth is going to play out, just a, a brief cliff note of it. And he says, 
I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is now with man. So heaven and earth are going to be one, and it will all be brand new one day. The kingdom of God, that heaven is going to come down and dwell here in a brand new earth that he is going to remake and make new. And it's all going to be in one place, which is good news. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Man, I, man that's exciting. I look forward to that day. I look forward to, you know, not bowing my head in prayer and knowing that I'm speaking to God wherever he is. But I'm just walk up to his house and knock on the door and say, I need to talk about something. God dwelling with man. But here's the good news of the gospel. For those that have confessed Jesus as Lord, we haven't been left alone and God is not distant at all. We can actually practice for this right now because Jesus told us time and time again, he even told his disciples, he said, hey, it's going to be good for me to go back to be with the Father because I'm going to send a helper. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, and with that Holy Spirit, you'll be able to accomplish more than you ever did with me. Because why is that? Because there wasn't just going to be one Jesus walking the face of the earth, but the Holy Spirit was going to indwell all of those who proclaim Christ so that there would be tens of thousands of millions of Jesuses walking the face of the earth as he is living his perfect life in us, through us, and as us, as he is the extra mile of patience and perseverance and wisdom and hope and peace, as he is a declarer of truth, as he lives out all the time the perfect fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that there would be people all over the world living their lives like that, not because they were able to willpower themselves or conjure up the strength to do it. No, because the Holy Spirit was living inside of them, living the life of Jesus through them. That's good news. doesn't stop there. Verse 4, he says, man, this will be something right here. Mm. He's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. Yeah, that's good. He's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. By the way, he's not just talking about death itself. Yeah, there'll be no more dying, praise God. But when death shall be no more, that means dead things won't exist anymore either. You know, like broken relationships. You know, like suffering and sorrow and grief and guilt, dead things. When alive things die, that's what comes out of it. When sin steps into the world, when sin steps into your life or into your marriage, doesn't always create physical death, but a whole lot of things die. Death will be no more. And because death is no more, there will neither be mourning or crying no more pain. And I like this. You need to underline this in your Bible. This is why. This is the big because. For the former things have passed away. For the former things have passed away. You need to underline that. What's the former things? What in the world is he talking about? Think about it. He's talking about the day that we arrive in the new heaven and the new earth. Our tears are being wiped away. Grief and sorrow and death and mourning. And pain no longer exists. And he says, here's why. It's because the former things have passed away. 
The former things is this mess we call life and all the chaos that goes with it. Yeah, you know, former things like social media won't exist, praise God. That's a former thing. You know, sickness, that's a former thing. You know, fear, that's a former thing. You know, disease, that's a former thing. You know, prejudice, that's a former thing. Racism, that's a former thing. The dead stuff is going to die a final death. And there'll be no more of that one day. And it's because Jesus says this, verse 5, if you have a red letter edition, it probably is red. He who was seated on the throne said this, for behold, I am making all things new. And I love that he says this, and he says, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Yes, sir, he says, you can cash that in and take it to the bank. That's a guarantee that I will make all things new. I will make broken things whole. I will make crooked paths straight. I will make sick things well. And no longer will hate and suffering and weakness and weariness, no longer will that exist anymore. And this new heaven and new earth that we wait for and we long for is the people of God. This is why the good news of the gospel isn't just what Jesus did on the cross for us. When he paid for the penalty of sin in our life, past tense. It's not only the good news of the gospel that he gave us the Holy Spirit now, that he is daily rescuing us from the power of sin in our life. But one of these days, you know, sin is the author of all the dead things. One of these days, he's going to do away with the presence of sin altogether. Put death to death one final time and everything that's dead in us and around us one final time. And he will make all things new. So wait patiently. Continue to trust. Continue to long for the day. Because I tell you what, Jesus has always made good on all of his promises all throughout history. And he's made a bunch of them and he's kept all of them. This is the one that we're waiting for. We're still in Advent. I don't know what point in history Jesus is going to decide to break open the sky and come back to get his bride, the church. But I hope that you're a part of that. I hope that you're a part of the church. I hope that you've not joined a church, but that you've joined the global church by confessing Jesus as the Lord of your life, surrendering yourself over to him. Giving your life to Christ is not about inviting him into your heart. This is about giving yourself up to him. It goes the other direction. And I hope that you would. And I hope that you would consider such. And I hope that you have experienced really what Jesus has to offer for us. Because this is the hope that the church of Jesus has. That we don't have to be stuck in the here and now. Because for those that are in Christ, the best is still yet to come. So what do we do in the meantime? Yeah, I hear you, Dust. We need to hope and we need to wait and long and trust. And like that all sounds good, but like life around me is really messy. Like, so what are the people of God called to do right now in the meantime? Well, I don't know if you've ever read the book of Romans before, but I can tell you, like, if you, you will see a lot of striking parallels between ancient Rome and 21st century America. 
And the Apostle Paul encourages the Christians in ancient Rome just the way I want to encourage you in the 21st century, the modern day, with these words. What do we do in the meantime? Well, this is what he says. I'm going to read chapter 12, verse 9 through the end. I'm not going to put it up on the screen. I want you to just listen to it. The same declaration he called out to the Christian Romans with, the same declaration I call out to you as the people of God with. Let love be sincere. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in your zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in your tribulation. Be constant in your prayers. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep weep and live in harmony with one another. Do not be prideful, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own eyes. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. My beloved, continue to trust. Continue to long. Continue to hope. But get in the game. Invite the Holy Spirit to live his perfect life in and through you. That the world might know that there is something different about the people of God. Let me be clear. I'm not telling you to go be Jesus to the world. You make a terrible Jesus. I'm inviting you to allow Jesus to be Jesus through you so that the world might know that God has sent him into the world. And he is the hope of the world. And for you, as you wait, as you struggle, as you suffer, as you persevere... The best is yet to come. As far as we know, Jesus might be brushing down his white horse right now, and the sky might bust open before lunchtime. Continue to wait on him. Let's pray. Father, have your way in us. Lord, we are your people. Our world is hurting bad, and it is because of sin. We know that the only remedy for sin is the gospel good news of Jesus. God, may we as a people be found faithful. May we not succumb to the sins of the world's view. Of what is to be, Lord, may we not succumb to the sin of racism prejudice or hate. May we not succumb to the sins of injustice. Lord, may we stand firmly on your view of humanity, your view of sexuality, your view of marriage, your view of family, your view of your church, your view of our lives, your view of our calling. Lord, have your way in us. We are yours. Do what only you can do. Father, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what you're waiting for, but I'm sure you've got a good reason.
But I join with a multitude of people this morning in saying, how long, oh Lord, how long? Because you can come get us anytime for we are ready to go. But while you have us here, Lord, we do not take lightly the calling that you have on your church. And may you boldly declare the goodness of your gospel and make disciple makers out of all of us that the world might know that you are the only hope that there is. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.